Welcome to the Ink Feather podcast, which explores the worlds of sci-fi and fantasy books through those who bring them to life. Every week, we chat with authors and industry pros about their books, including new releases and old favorites. I'm Lauren Zurchin from the Ink Feather Collective, and this is episode 55, where I chat with debut author Allison Saft. Guys, the budgies are happy birds today, and I can't bring myself to put them in the bathroom like I usually do when I have long interviews. So I feel like I say this every intro, but enjoy the budgie noises in the background. They're happy birds today. So I'm really excited today to talk to you about Down Comes the Night. Um, It's been out for a few weeks now. It came out on March 2nd, and Allison has said that this is the book of her soul. And so uh, it was really fun to dig into this book with her. Uh, It's being kind of pitched as Crimson Peak with magic, and that could not be a better description for it. Um, And she said this is the book that she wrote to herself. It's like a love letter to herself as a teenager. And so it's just got all of these wonderful, like, I don't want to say tropes because that's not quite the right word, but there's like these, she just has really interesting characters. There's a big creepy house that is kind of its own character. Um, you know, there's mysteries involved and like secrets. And so there's a story on, uh, as the story reveals itself, as the truth of the world reveals itself through the story, it just was such a delight to read. Um, so I'm really glad I got to talk to her about this book. You know, we also dig into like the style she used in creating this book, um, kind of a deep character analysis of the characters and why they did what they did. Uh, We talk about the role that the community plays in, in, in books and writing. We also talk about, you know, COVID-19 and what it's been like publishing a book during the pandemic and also the challenges in general that make creating difficult during the pandemic. So we had a really great chat about all kinds of things and um, yeah, she's really interesting person. So I guys, I hope you really enjoy this interview. Um, I'm glad I got the chance to talk to her. Before we dive in, I just want to remind you guys that we have an Etsy store that has all kinds of really cool author swag in it. I photographed two calendars a few years ago where the authors posed for me and dressed up, I got to dress them up in fantasy costumes and I raised money for those on Kickstarter, but the extra swag I actually have on my Etsy store. So you can get signed book plates, signed prints, there's bookmarks, there's postcards, and we have authors like Cassandra Clare, Lee Bardugo, Christopher Paolini, Patrick Rothfuss, you know, Maggie Stiefvater, Holly Black, Lev Grossman, Jim Butcher. Uh, I mean, there's like 14 authors in each calendar. So we have almost 30 authors with like signed stuff. That's great. Um, yeah, so it's really fun. Go check that out if that's something they've been making really good gifts. Um, you know, the prints are photographic prints that I've sent to the authors for them to sign. So it is authentic signatures and, you know, kind of a fun collectible keepsake of, you know, Cassandra Clare holding burning fire in her hands while in, and having her signature on it. So it's, yeah, it's pretty cool. The Etsy store is the Ink Feather Shop. I also have a really cool project I started a few months ago, which is a an adult coloring book. Um, it is like fantasy fine art, basically. I had 20 international artists illustrate my fantasy photography, because that's what I do. I'm a fantasy photographer. I dress people up in pretty dresses, and we run through the woods and put on fairy wings and all kinds of fun stuff. And so I collected my, you know, hundred or so favorite photos and let the authors or let the artists pick from those photos. And so we've got 40 really wonderful pieces of art. And, um, you know, it's really cool because on the inside covers, I actually have the photos. So you can see where the inspiration was drawn. Some of the art was verbatim almost, and some of the art they used more interpretation, which is really great. You also get 20 different styles. So depending on which mood you're in, if you want like lots of detail and precise, or if you want like broader strokes, there's... There's literally art that covers all of that. And it's great because I think almost all of these artists I found through Bookstagram. So they are basically, you know, artists who have been commissioned by various subscription boxes to make art, commissioned art for their boxes. And so, um, yeah, so you have, if you are a collector of any of these boxes, and if you, you know, are familiar with any of the book subscription boxes, you're going to be familiar with a lot of these names. That's basically how I found them all and was like, hey, you want to do this thing? And it has just been such a delight. This is kind of one of the lights in this dark year that we've had for me. Um, It was so much fun getting to collaborate with, uh, yeah, 20 international artists and make something bigger and better than, you know, what I made by myself. And so this project is very near and dear to my heart. Um, It is on our website. It is the inkfeathercollective.com. And in our shop, there are, um, there's the coloring book and it's really high end paper printed one side each tear out pages. So it's like collectible pieces of art. 
Um, there's also a postcard set, um, which I thought was really fun for the pandemic. If you want to like mail, you know, postcards to a friend and then they can color it or you can color and then mail. Um, I just thought that was kind of a nice way to pass the time during the pandemic. Um, you know, coloring has actually been a really great stress reliever for me. I have a few coloring books uh, that I've collected over the years, and I have found myself gravitating towards it more than I thought this past year. It's a kind of a nice mindless thing. And even friends I asked when I was promoting this when it first came out, I, I asked a few like bookstagrammer friends who have big followings who aren't always necessarily colorers, they, I was like, hey, would you have, you know, support this? And they're like, yeah, sure, I'll color page. And they were like, this is more relaxing than I thought. This was more fun than I thought. So yeah, it was really cool to see, uh, to hear that, get that feedback. So yeah, I, I just am really happy with how the project turned out. Um, oh, there are also digital copies of both the coloring book and the postcard. So it's, I really wanted to provide that for for two reasons. Uh, international shipping is a nightmare. <laughs> Even regular shipping isn't that cheap anymore, but international shipping is like as much as the product itself. So I wanted people all over the world to have access to this so they can print it themselves. Um, and also the nice thing about getting the digital is you can print it as many times as you want. So like you could all, you know, if you like with your family or your kids, you could all print the, the same coloring book, the same art. Um, it's just such a fun project. And I'm just really, really... Um, grateful that these artists were willing to work with me and were excited about this project. And like I said, this this has been like a heart project for me this past year. So check that out. It's really fun. Like I said, it's at the Inkfeather Collective in the shop. I'm also working on some new projects that are coming out um, in the next couple months, probably sooner versus later. I'm kind of finalizing and things, you know, getting getting samples takes time and stuff. But I've actually been wanting to do something for years and I'm finally doing it. I am going to be launching a line of journals um, with my fantasy photography on the cover. I, I have... I journal every morning. I am a big fan of the artist's way and morning pages. I've literally been doing them for almost 20 years. Um, you know, there have been times where I've gone months without doing it, but I always return to the page. And so journaling for me is, it is an essential part of my creative process. And so I have wanted to provide beautiful journals for a long time because a lot of my fantasy photography just has this whimsical ethereal vibe that I just think would work really well and, and fit really well in like an inspiring journal. So I'm going to be offering two different sizes. I'm going to be offering, you know, standard like six by nine inches and then like a full size paper, which is the size I like to write in. So I, I'm trying to fill a need because when I was searching on Amazon at the end of last year to try to find a new journal, it was like my options weren't great. So I wanted to provide really beautiful covers in larger and regular size. I also am going to be doing blank, lined, and bullet journals. So it, it's kind of like finding, you know, which art you like the most and then which inside you like the most. Um, yeah, like I said, I'm still working out the details, but... I'm really excited to bring these journals to you. I'll probably have like a set of three like thin mini journals that go together that all have a similar theme. I ha I just, uh, I'm really excited, you guys. This is literally something I've wanted to do since I started shooting fantasy photography like seven years ago. Um, and I'm really excited to finally bring it to fruition. So stay tuned for that. If that's something you're interested in, I'm sure I'll be talking about it on future episodes. But you can also follow me on Instagram on uh the Ink Feather Collective. Uh, that's a really great place to keep up to date on any new projects I'm working on. And yeah, I'm just um, really excited. I love I love having a physical product. I don't know what that is. Like I know digital is like where the world is right now. And we've seen that this past year. But there's just something nice about holding like a book in your hands or holding a journal in your hands and, you know, ask readers, which they often prefer. And I really don't know many people who prefer digital. I, I prefer the convenience of digital, but there's nothing that beats holding a book while you're reading it. So yeah, I, I it's kind of the same vibe. Anyways, so those are kind of where I'm at with projects and cool things. I just wanted to make you guys aware if you aren't familiar and remind you if you are, um, it's a great way to support this podcast. I do this with the help of an editor. And other than that, it's just me and him. <laughs> so this, you know, buying those products, uh, supporting me in that way actually helps make this podcast happen. It is a great way to support me and also get some art and get some maybe some book swag or a coloring book or, you know, hopefully in the near future, a journal maybe try some morning pages yourself. So, yeah, I just um, I appreciate all of you for listening. Um, I appreciate those of you who've supported me and, you know, spreading the word. 
you know, listening to these interviews and I really hope you enjoy them. I, I love bringing them to you. I love talking to authors. I love kind of digging into the nitty gritty of these books and why we love them and why we connect with them. And, you know, if you listen to my chat with Adrian Young, we were talking about like going deep. She and I went pretty deep. This is, I think it was last week's episode. Um, and yeah, that's like my favorite kind of chat, man. I want to just like, <laughs> I want to I see their soul. And luckily, many authors are willing to go there with me. And so, uh, yeah, so it was really fun chatting with Allison on this week's episode. And I'm really glad to bring this to you guys. So now stay tuned for Allison's episode. I hope you enjoy. Hi, Allison. Welcome to the Ink Feather Podcast. Hi, Lauren. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I'm excited. We're here to talk about your debut book, Down Comes the Night, which just came out. How are you feeling? Uh, <laughs> so good. So tired. <laughs> uh, so many different emotions, but uh, overall, yeah, I'm just really glad it's out in the world. What's this debut building up to the debut been like, especially during COVID times? Like, What's this experience been like for you so far? It's been good. Nothing like I imagined, certainly, especially, yeah, I, it's so funny too, especially since it's been, I guess, exactly a year since we've all been put into yeah. this lockdown. And I remember thinking at the time, surely by next March, things will be better. Mm. And here we are and seeing on social media, things like, you know, still processing last March, can't you know, deal with this coming March. But yeah, it's bittersweet in a way. But I think I've been incredibly lucky to have some amazing early readers who have still made it feel not so lonely. So mm. I appreciate them very much. Well, and you know, if there's an upside to it being a year after it, it's that the book community has gotten creative. And, you know, I know you having you're having like a virtual you know, like events at like Mysterious Galaxy with other authors and like people from all over the world could tune in to watch that, which is one of the things I love about what's happened this year is, you know, I know so many people get sad what they when they haven't been able to visit authors who go on tour or do different events. And so having it be virtual is something if one of the big positives is that anyone who wants to support an author can, which is great. That's so true. Yeah, I had my launch event the other night on Instagram Live and my whole publishing team was there, uh, friends from college. It's actually really surprised me who's come out of the woodwork to support the book. It's incredibly sweet. Yeah, I don't know, just to be able to, to reconnect with so many people. So that's true. I mean, that is, I think, the as you said, the, the upside of this strange new mm. world living in. So before we get into like the details, what's kind of the elevator pitch of Down Comes the Night? Like, how do you describe it to people when they ask about your book? So I usually pitch Down Comes the Night as Crimson Peak with magic. That's the- a very good description. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I guess the elevator pitch of the, the actual content is disgraced healer gets more than she bargained for when she takes a job at this crumbling gothic manor high in the mountains. It turns out the patient she's been hired to heal is none other than the sworn enemy of her nation. And when they're snowed in together, they have to team up to uncover the sinister secrets of the house, ones that could threaten to destroy everything they both hold dear. Very good pitch. I'm, I'm, I've read, obviously I'm like, I know the story and I'm even, I'm like, yeah, tell me more. That sounds, I'm intrigued. So this is your first book. So I guess take us through how we got here. Like, did you, is this something that you wrote recently or has this been like your baby project that you had a while ago? Like, how did we get to this book being out in the world today? It's kind of a combination of both, funny enough. Hmm. Um, So Down Comes the Night is the third, I think, full length novel I've written. I wrote the first draft in... I think halfway through NaNoWriMo 2017, okay. I kind of set out to write the first draft. But in a lot of ways, it's a story I've been carrying with me for the better part of, oh gosh, I don't know, maybe 10 years. It It's kind of the love letter to the girl I was, 15-ish. I've, I've talked before how I, I got my start writing fan fiction and role-playing awesome. on me. That's Warrior Cats was the first fandom. But in my teen years, I spent a ton of time obsessing over this one ship and 
it would never happen. These characters never met. One actually died <laughs> twice. <laughs> we don't talk about that. But in any case, I, I was I loved writing this couple and I would write thousands of words every single day about them with my friends. And I kind of fell out of the habit of fiction writing when I went to college and into grad school. I wanted to be an academic, but kind of realized I wasn't super cut out for it. Kind of enjoyed writing more than I enjoyed analyzing books. Hmm. But I spent the first year out of grad school pretty much beating my head against a wall writing these manuscripts that I felt compelled well, less compelled, more books that I felt I had to write more so than the ones I wanted to write. So Interesting. halfway through 2017 NaNoWriMo, I was like, I am so sick of this book. What would make me happy to write? Hmm. So I kind of returned to all of these tropes and fandomy passions I had when I was younger and wrote the first draft of Down Comes the Night in about six weeks. Six weeks. That's yeah. pretty quick. I mean, it's a pretty big book. I'm yeah, like yeah pages she's, almost. She's like, thick. <laughs> it, it definitely grew in revisions. I think the first draft was maybe maybe around eighty thousand words, but I think it's upwards yeah. of one hundred twenty at this point. Well, and the thing with Nano is it's just about dumping words on the page. So it's, exactly. you know, just getting the idea out. So it's not going to be finished, polished novel at fifty thousand words. It's funny how that happens too. Like the evolution of a project. And I, you know, I, I find I was actually talking to someone about this the other day about like back burner, like how your brain, you're always like, chewing on things. And so like, even though you hadn't written those ideas and it's not necessarily the fan fiction version, like those tropes, those things that you loved were still tucked back in there. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And you're relating for so long. Well, I just think that's really cool. And I, I think... You know, I've, I've heard many an author talk about like basically defending writing fan fiction and reading fan fiction and people who still do. And they're just like, it, it's it's a beautiful thing because these characters have captured your heart. And why not lean into a fun idea? You know what I mean? So, yeah. And I love that you kind of took that passion. And it, it's interesting, too, like you're were writing, but you weren't writing from your heart. It sounds like you were writing what you think you were supposed to write as opposed to what sounded just fun. So for sure. Yeah, I think I think Down Comes the Night was the first book I wrote where I let myself be truly self-indulgent. Hmm. And I think sometimes you'll I don't know, I see a pretty even split of, you know, some people saying, oh, you, you shouldn't be too self-indulgent because then you know you're not going to have solid plot and, and in some ways that was very true of my first draft um, <laughs> then this happens then this happens and someone's like uh what's happening exactly. like allison why are these characters staring at each other longingly in an empty room for so many words ha huh. but at the same time i i feel like when i've let myself really lean into the things that bring me joy that's where my best work tends to happen so mm. when i just find that hilarious because one of the main characters literally you can't look him in the eyes <laughs> and like <laughs> so you've wrote like longing gazes for someone who can't have eye contact and it's just like it's such a powerful thing i, I mean you know uh, anyways it just makes it makes me chuckle <laughs> <laughs> well she's the only one who can look him in the eyes so of course uh, tortured <laughs> oh and they're 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 not what they were oh my gosh it's surprising and it's just yeah it's very funny to me <laughs> so you let's just delve right into those characters so our our I mean, we have a lot of good side characters, but our two mains are really Ren and Hap. And, and they are, she's, she is the healer. He is the enemy of her country. And they're in this crazy house and they have to figure things out. I mean, trying to not do any super major spoilers here for maybe those of you who haven't read it yet. I really enjoyed their characters and I really enjoyed how they kind of bounced off each other, their conversations, the way they handled themselves and like things manifested through them. So I guess take us through the creation of them. You know, obviously she's who we've seen from the start. So I have more notes on her, but like just her, her kind of way of thinking that is this naive or reckless or she's not like a traditional heroine who's like got all her stuff together. She kind of just makes crazy choices sometimes. And <laughs> I find that really interesting. So I guess take us through these characters and how they kind of came to be who they are. Sure. Yeah. Ren is often described as a disaster bisexual. And I, I think that's absolutely true. <laughs> yes. um, so I guess kind of 
to pick up a little bit on what I was talking about earlier, that that this book is kind of a a love letter to who I was when I was a teenager. And Mm. I was so shy. Ren is not shy, but I was so sensitive, like the, the kind of girl who would cry at, you know, a slightly raised voice. I just felt and still do feel things really deeply and feel things, I don't know, just the world is raw in a way, I guess. And I was surrounded by a lot of people who talked about that kind of way of being like sensitivity as, as a weakness, that it's something that one has to outgrow or overcome in mm. a way. And as I've gotten older, the more I realize that that I, I personally don't believe that's true. I personally feel that sensitivity and compassion are not weaknesses are incredible sources of strength. They allow us to, I don't know, recognize the ways that we are hurt and the way others are hurting. It allows us to see injustices for what they are and feel compelled to do something about it. So Ren very much was, you know, a character I created to kind of work through some of those feelings. Hmm. She is somebody who feels things deeply. She's incredibly impulsive. She makes terrible decisions a lot of the time. But at the same time, it is because she has these traits that she is sensitive, that she is kind of questioning of authority that allows her to, trying to avoid spoilers here, it allows her to drive the plot to its conclusion, I suppose we could say. Well, and, and one of those things is that she seems to come from a good place a lot of the time. Like, you know, like it's not... Her, she isn't being reckless to be reckless. She's being reckless because it's, it's like a sense of right or a sense of like I, I need to, I need to do it this way. This feels like the way it needs to go or whatever. It's not like malicious. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know. I I think also kind of speaking from my own experience, something I gave to Ren was when I was always fighting against these really strong feelings. It it doesn't really allow us to learn how to process them other than like, oh God, I have to shut this down. And so sometimes it just kind of boils over and you just like, I, now I, I have to do this thing because I have no other way of dealing with it. It's funny. Like I, I have a friend who as an adult, she would talk a lot about, she's older than I am. She would talk a lot about like sitting in your emotions. And it's something I had never really allowed myself to do because it's like you said, you get these strong emotions and you're like, who wants to sit in grief or who wants to sit in sadness or who wants to be manic or, you know, like you think these are bad things to feel. And so it's interesting that you're, you know, like she's having to process her emotion and how it choose to come out. I'm just thinking about the the human experience of, of feeling and how we deal with it in different ways. You know what I mean? For sure. Yeah. I, I think in general, we, we are quick to want, quick to want to suppress or get rid of negative emotions. And I don't know. That's just life, baby. Or even just like bring the more extreme feeling into more like, quote unquote, acceptable range. You know what I mean? Yes. Hmm. Well, and then we have Hal who feels a lot. He's interesting how he manifests too. Like, I I like his character a lot. I like like them both. I, I mean, they're basically like two enemies two enemies trapped in this in, a, in like the house from hell <laughs> like, they have to like figure life out and it's just like literally that's like the uh, one sentence <laughs> pinch of this book and it's like oh my god like if you put yourself in her shoes or his shoes it's just like how insane would that be like okay well we might I don't trust you and you don't trust me but there's other stuff happening here we have to just put that aside right now or, or we're gonna lose it here or like you know what I mean Exactly. Yeah. Oh, gosh, this incredibly fashionable and very strange man is menacing us both. What is? What should we do? Yes. So I guess why why did you create these guys like their the way that they kind of go on their journey together? Like, did you know going in that Ren was? You said Ren was obviously with you, but like how how and how he counteracts or counter is a counterpoint to her in some ways. Like, how did he kind of come to be the way he is? Oh, Hal. Uh, he is maybe not so secretly my favorite. <laughs> He's pretty great. <laughs> Thank you. He, so again, laying bare my embarrassing fandom roots, I think Hal is very much like the shonen manga type 
which is my type, unfortunately, I would call repentant mass murderer. See also <laughs> Roy Mustang from Full Metal Alchemist, Chiang Tachi from Naruto. We've got Kenshin Himura from Rurouni Kenshin. Oh my gosh. I'm just really drawn to this archetype for some reason. I, I find them very interesting, these men who are desperately seeking redemption. It's inspiring in a way that, you know anyone can change at any point. So that's kind of the archetype I was drawing on for Hal. It took many revisions for him to actually come through. I think the first draft, he maybe had like five lines of dialogue. This man did not want to speak at all. The quiet broody Uh, type, I guess, right? (laughs) Yeah. But it's funny, I guess the, the more I revised the book and the more I thought about what I wanted to do with these characters, Mm. he how to put it I guess when I'm writing romantic leads and I kind of consider myself a romance writer at heart I like to create characters who have parallel character arcs yeah like each one should have something that the other doesn't usually some core truth or they should maybe demonstrate different facets of the same problem so Ren and Hal are both people who have been told that emotions and and feeling are are bad and Ren has coped it with it in one way this kind of destructive like desperate for affection but also desperate to kind of contain herself and, and make herself presentable while Hal has kind of shut himself off mm. entirely yeah and I, I think their love story is is just each of them teaching the other that it is safe and okay to love and be loved and to express yourself. Mm-hmm. Let's take us through the, uh, like we, the, we have these crazy side characters. Like you said, we have the owner of the house. We have like the forces that influence our characters externally. Like we have her best friend slash lover slash boss <laughs> I don't even know who leader who like she had to leave behind and like one of her best friends uh, from the beginning of the book has been missing and so it's like always in her mind with that person too and then you know but we also have like like the house as a character like you know like you have these interesting forces at work it must have been really fun af- after having you know you have these two main these two characters and get to like push them and move them with these external forces for sure yeah I think I think the house was definitely a fun... Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I would consider the house a character. I mean, just with... It's got such presence, I guess. I mean, it is its own... Th- great. There's stuff that happens, but it's all within the house. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It was it was super fun. The, like, the, the perfect setting. Because, yeah, people will describe this book as, like, kind of eerie or gruesome. But I also think it's kind of cozy. There's something about a crumbling manor and a hostile environment that makes the softer scenes stand out in comparison. Mm. And that's actually a really good background, especially for something like you said, romance building and the, the gazing and the... <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> uh, yeah, Gothic as a, in general, is just such a high emotion. Mm. Um, it's funny, like this book, as I was reading it, even though it's wintry, like there's snow and it's winter storm, it feels like a like a fall going into winter book for me. Like as oh, the season's uh-huh. getting cozier and I'm locking into that that cold again, it's like this is the kind of book I want to read at that time of year. So, I mean, granted, it's still <laughs> – I'm in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. It was snowing two days ago. Like it's – this is still relevant to now emotionally. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not like it's 85 and sunny right now where I'm at. Not that that isn't good reading for that too, but, you know, like if atmospheric of the book itself. But, yeah, I was reading. It just has that feel of like – yeah, that that the vibe of it just made me feel like fall, winter, like cozy crumbling in like you said so I feel I feel exactly what you're saying with that oh that's so good to hear thank you (laughs) you're welcome I also want to dig into the magic it's really interesting and I really like how you describe it I also like how you have it manifest in the world so kind of take us through the the creation of the magic system because it's really detailed and and interesting and yeah I I just was really impressed with how you brought it together oh thank you so much so let's see where to start with the magic? I guess when I set out to write the book, my, I guess, characters and premise usually come to me as a, as a package. And so for Down Comes the Night, the spark of the idea was basically a healer who has to cure 
somebody she would rather see dead. So I knew if healing was going to be central to the plot, it should probably have some pretty clear parameters. Hmm. So I decided to go the the medical science route. It's always been something that's interested me. Uh, I guess maybe I could blame the aerials or athlete background, like anatomy, I think is super cool. I already had some background knowledge and I liked, I don't know. I liked, I feel like in another life, maybe I would have been a doctor, but I'm. Oh, you are? Yeah. (laughs) Well, then yeah, good choice that you're not that. But I do get the intrigue because it's, you know, if you think about the complexities of biology, it's fascinating how everything works together and all the different parts. I totally get that. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it's super fun. And I think yeah, because so many of the scenes are focused on Ren healing Hal. It's like, well, I guess something's got to be happening. And because, yeah, I, when I was thinking about how to flesh out her narration, anatomical metaphors and mm-hmm. things like that were, were stuff that I thought would add some texture. So leaning into that definitely was a component of, um, yeah, just developing the magic system. But I think beyond the, the plot considerations, I'm also – my – magic system philosophy is that it should ideally highlight something about the characters or or the theme of the book. Hmm. And I think for me, so much of Ren's arc is that she has this kind of fundamental misbelief that she has that the if she can't be loved for who she is, she has to be useful to people. Like the only way I can earn Una or the Queen's approval is by being the best at what I do. And that's pretty much her driving. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. And so, again, trying to avoid spoilers as much as possible. The magic system also, I guess you could say the the quote unquote payment for the magic is that it's gradually degenerative. So the more you use it, the more you're, the harder it is to use it, I guess, in a way. And so at a certain point in the book, it becomes incredibly difficult for Ren to actually use and access her healing magic. So she has this kind of dark moment where she has to confront who am I exactly when I can't do the thing that I thought made me useful. Mm. Yeah. And you actually do really good foreshadowing with that because I feel like right even from the start, she was talking about that. Like, because they, you know, like, I, oh, what would I do if I lose my magic? Who would I even be? My life would be empty and it would be over. And like, she, she so like just the idea of that being for her, that is parallel to, like you said, usefulness, which is a purpose for living for her, you know, like, right. and, and that deeper examining. Yeah, it was very interesting. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I just thought it was really neat how, how you, it kind of appears differently in different people, but it's still all connected in the way it like is seen there's like a network of it's almost like like chakra aura energy line kind of thing like over their body of veins but of like magical veins and I was like this is really cool but then <laughs> but then you have like you know the 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 country that the house is in doesn't have magic that's that they've seen you know it's not seen in the but the other countries that are warring who have access to magic they're like yeah they have all the power in them but they just like can't use it and I'm, I'm like this is really interesting like how you created the world that way Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, I I think that's a really good point. I I think the other reason I I was gravitated toward the medical science angle was it's like, okay, well, not everyone can be a healer. Well, I guess Mm -hmm. they could, but I I wanted, you know, some variety. So I was like, oh, that might be an interesting underpinning for all the different types of magic. Mm -hmm. But yeah, also it was it was pretty crucial in, in fleshing out the international scope of the conflict, like you said, with the the house that, or, sorry, the, the country that the house is in, yeah, is not, most of the population does not have magic. It doesn't, can't like a- access the magic. It's just, yeah, I, I was, I just found that really, I was like, huh, they're all just kind of on this peninsula and these countries have it and this one doesn't. And that's really like, what? Wow. Okay. What's happening here? Yeah. I don't know. I just thought it was done. I, I really liked the scientificness of it <laughs> obviously Thank it's you. magic and it's made up but it I just like yep this makes sense yep like that was my brain you know <laughs> like <laughs> thank you yeah I'm, I'm always very flattered when uh, readers ask me if I have a medical background and yeah I, I don't I just spent a lot of time with Dr. Google and and looking up incredibly disturbing images there's it's surprising what you can find in medical journals just like little step-by-step surgical procedures and I was like ah oh, helpful but- <laughs> I'm like, Ugh. I know. I'm, yeah, yeah. I think I was at work one time when I had like 
<laughs> pulled up the picture of one significant surgical procedure at the climax of the book and was just like, ah, when I saw that. The accompanying <laughs> images. It's like, okay, well, that's enough of that. Yeah, not safe for work. No, it's <laughs> <laughs> really funny. So I think the thing that one of my favorite things that I've enjoyed about reading this book is the way that you plotted out the tension, the little seeds that you planted and like the maybe go, okay, well, I need to know about that. Or, oh, I need to know about that. Like, take us through. So you said you have the initial idea of you know, girl who heals guy, she doesn't want to heal. Now they have to fight against creepy house and creepy house guy. And like, obviously, there's more at work. I'm broadly summarizing <laughs> here. But you know, it, it, there there are these elements, but like, from the start, just like, okay, we see her choices and how we know they're going to get her in trouble. The friends, we have a friend who's missing, we have, but then even things like, what did that mean? Or like, why is this being disregarded? Or like a look or like these little things that made me go, what was that? Like, and I just have to keep turning. So like you did a really good job of, of making me curious, I guess is the probably the best word. Just like, um, I was just really curious to see how, how I would get my answers to the things that made me go, Oh, what does that mean? So yeah, like really well done with the plotting and the like the intrigue of that for that for me. So how was that for you? Like planting those seeds? Did it was this a hard thing for you to like? Or did it just kind of come naturally as the story evolved? Oh God. It was it was I'm gonna be honest with you. It was a nightmare. So was, I wondered. I mean, it was so well done. I was like, I feel like this. I mean, every word in a book should be deliberate, right? There should be no every word should have a purpose in theory. You know what I mean? So right. I figured obviously it was all a choice. But I was just like, man, because like, yeah, I just remember I made a note of it because I make notes as I read. And I, it was pretty early on in my notes that I was like, man, the planting seeds of doubt and questions well. What an interesting writing process. Like that was my note. I was like, holy cow, like, like, what does this mean? And where do I go? Yeah. So take us through that. Because obviously, you know, a lot of people who listen are writers. They are, they want to be where you're at, or maybe they're at where you're at. And they're, you know, wanting to go further. I always find it interesting to hear how people kind of birth their creations <laughs> and it always involves some labor i would say oh, yes there, there were so many tears so many so many periods of doubt that it would ever come together honestly yeah i mean when i when i say yeah i'm a romance writer at heart I, the first draft of this book really was it it honest to god was just ren and how they actually they weren't even in the house in the first draft. Uh, Lowry had like a little little shack on his property that he just put them in and occasionally came to visit. Guys, <laughs> yeah, go over there. All right, cool. Yeah, it's like oh, you know, maybe it might be difficult to sustain an entire you know fantasy plot in this incredibly contained setting. So some changes were made. Yeah, I mean, I I think to start at the very beginning, I everything really everything for me comes down to the characters the romance so it started with thinking well how am i going to get these two people together and also keep them together without people kind of wondering what's going on or i guess more accurately like they had to meet in my mind in kind of a, a neutral ground so yes. that you know they're superior officers wouldn't be like, hey, are you hiding a war criminal in there? And Ren would be like, no, absolutely not. How would he get there, et cetera? So kind of from the get-go, I realized I was grappling with three different countries. Yes. And quickly realized, okay, this is going to be a little bit more complex than maybe I, I bargained for when I set out to write this book. So I, I, uh, I think I rewrote it two, three times my tendency is always to make things way overcomplicated. So there were, oh gosh, I, so many red herrings in the house mm. for some reason. I, and it always, it's funny to me when people, I guess Duncan's Night does have a mystery element, but I, I really wouldn't consider it a mystery in the whodunit sense, considering there's about three, three characters. So in a way I was trying to make it something that it wasn't. Hmm. By adding, there was a mysterious housekeeper at one point. There was, I think, Hannah. The she had a girlfriend. She's gone now. I'm sorry, Hannah. There was, yeah. There, there were just so many elements, and I think revising the book was a process of of paring down to the heart of the story after I had kind of ballooned it 
in a desperate attempt to make everything fit together. It, it was, I don't know, like a bellows type or like a, a sign graph. That's, I haven't done math since I was in <laughs> high school. Maybe that's the right term. But yeah, a, a constant oscillation between like too much or too little. Hmm. So it took a lot of a lot of tears, a lot of patient calls from my critique partners and ultimately agents and editor to to get it to where it needed to be. Well, and I'm just thinking like those are the things that I'm talking about because it's the absence. It's the it's my that was my curiosity being like, I need to know what happened to this person or these people or these things. What does that mean? Why is that dude freaked out? Why is there a side eye? Why did she think she saw this? Like what is happening? Like and it was just this little like and it wasn't just coming from one place, you know, it wasn't just like I heard a, a, a noise or I thought I saw something. It was like, you know, from, from from all these different angles. And so it really did keep me reading because I was very curious to see how things played out. And I, yeah, I'm, I'm very flattered that uh, that you, I don't know, that that's intriguing. And I, I certainly hope it all comes together at the end for you. Yeah, it's it's. Very, uh, yeah, I was just saying it was a very enjoyable reading experience. And I just, I knew, I knew your, like, the work. I could just tell that it didn't read heavy, but I knew I was like, this has to be. It was very cleverly done. So I was like, okay, she had to put her heart into this, you know? Thank you. <laughs> You're like, yes, I did. I'm dead. <laughs> I did, yeah. It's just... That's so funny. How is it being like now that it's out in the world? Are you like excited to be talking to people about it? Like what's been the most fun so far this week that it's been out at, you know, has it been answering questions or has it just been finally being able to like share these characters with people? Yeah, I, I'm honestly just so excited for people to read. I One of my favorite things I've done this week was going into my local indie Kepler's and signing all of the pre-orders. Mm. Um, I was totally blown away by by how many people ordered it and also the incredibly sweet comments people left. Yeah, I've just been so fortunate to have some truly amazing early readers, people who have really gotten the book. Mm. And I don't know, it, it's incredible. Every time people connect with Ren, who I think, as we were talking about earlier, is sometimes hard to love. So every time people say that they really related to her, whether that's her struggle with you know, embracing her feelings or people appreciating the bisexual rap. I don't know. It, it's it's it was healing to write the book, and it's also been healing to have people respond to it. Possibly, mm. uh, people say writing is solitary, but I don't know. For me, it's about the community. W- without other people, it's it's just words on a page. Um, oh, I was just gonna say. I mean. Even if your end result, I feel like if writer's end result isn't necessarily getting published, you're still writing to share stories. You're still telling a story. Absolutely. You know, that's why you're writing. And people are going to experience that story. So it is, even if you're alone when those words are coming out, it is it is for the purpose of community, I think. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean. That makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. I, I was just, you know, it's, it's always interesting hearing about everybody's individual journeys with their book and, you know, what's what's going on. And so, yeah, I'm just excited to that your book's out in the world. I've, it's a, it was been really fun to read. Thank you. <laughs> yes. And now I get to, to sleep <laughs> for, <laughs> I don't know, maybe a full year. I don't think I can do that since I have another one coming out next year, but I was just about to say, like, what are you working on now? What's like, what's up on your plate next? Like what's, where are you at with books right now? What's going on? So I have another standalone fantasy romance coming out in 2022. Okay. Um, which, if Down Comes Tonight was the book of my heart, this one is the book of my soul. I'm, mm. I'm just so excited. I love this book so much. And other than that, I, I'm working on an adult fantasy right now, but I have been laid low by <laughs> pandemic slash debut anxieties, and and creating has been very difficult. It, this yeah. year's been rough. I get it. <laughs> It's, yeah. So it's it's slow going. I mean, you know, if one of the things that I've I've had to tell myself this year is that, you know, it, it, we are all dealing with unprecedented emotions and like ways of processing and like stress that we have never experienced before. Even if you don't feel it, it's just like a low grade constant stress, you know, things that we've never lived through. So you can't expect to function at the same level, you know, things are going to be different. And it's hard. I I mean, that was a hard pill for me to swallow as someone who is also 
creating. So I get that. Like sometimes, I mean, I think I spent a month in bed, like in April, April to May when after the pandemic hit, I was like, well, I'm not, I'm a non-essential worker. Nobody's going to want my art. I'm just going to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> like I just literally like got up, go to the bathroom, take a shower, have some breakfast and was like, nope. And like went back into bed and watched K-dramas. <laughs> like literally, <laughs> like, like literally was my life, you know? That's so real. Uh, yeah. I guess it is hard. I don't know. It's, it's sad, but heartening also to know that so many people are in the same boat. Yeah. And I, I feel like, I don't know. I, granted, we're in March now, which is already crazy to think we're in our third month of 2021. But like oh. the, right. The fact that, I mean, you know, we're not going to find a, a new norm for a while still is I think f creatively you've got to be easy on yourself and then you'll get to a point maybe as the like weather changes or maybe you'll have like you'll go on a like away camping or you'll go somewhere that feels fresh or maybe a local coffee shop will have outside seating and you can go and be outside again or, you know, all these things that might trigger those things in your brain to help get the creativity going again. Like Yeah, and I think you were saying earlier, I'm uh, thinking about now that your brain is always running in the background, mm -hmm. even if it seems broken, it's just always collecting. Things. You're chewing on those ideas. Yeah. yeah. So maybe this is that time where your front brain is like, I'm, I'm tired, I need a break. And you're like, okay, well, this is you still got stuff going on, you know, for sure. Absolutely. Well, and luckily, like you said, this is debut. You've got this book out. You can talk about this book now. You have another book coming out next year. I mean, I know how publishing works and you're like always like two years ahead. But still, the point is, is that, you know, it, it's exactly how it needs to be. And you're you've still got, you know, two beautiful projects that are coming into the world here. So it's great. Exactly. Yeah. And it, it always astounds me, like how supportive readers are. They, mm. they always seem like they'll wait for, for you, which is, makes me happy. Thanks guys. Yeah. Well, and it's, you know, that's one of the things too, I think about where people like have strong opinions about like fandoms, like I don't like this fandom and other people are like, I love this fandom or, or like whatever supporting series or books or re authors or whoever. It's like there are million, there are billions of people in this world. Like you will find your audience. You will have that support, you know, like you're going to have people who hate the book. You're going to have people who think it's the best book ever. Like it's literally, and that's why it's just like, okay, I'm going to make my project and bring it to people and my people will find it. And that's all you can do, you know? That's one of the most comforting things in the world for me, truly. Just like, it really is. Like, like how subjective all of this is. Like occasionally you can just pull out like the, the scathing reviews of your favorite book in existence and just be like, wow, I can't relate to having such terrible taste. But, you know, it, it truly takes all types of books. Yeah, books always mm -hmm. people, I think. Exactly. Or like I also find it heartening too when there's a book that I don't like that has done really well. And I'm like, you know what? Good for them. Like, exactly. Like there's people there's love that book, you know? Yeah. There's just, uh, there's, there's a variety. So I don't know how we got on this topic of like, we can do it. But like, seriously, that's what it feels like this year. I feel like every interview I'm like, okay, are we, are we alive? Are we surviving? Yeah. We're hanging in there by a thread. Well, thank you for giving us good reading. Because this book, like I said, has been just, it's been very like, it's kept me curious. I kept reading because I had to keep knowing how, how the story was going to unfold and how the characters were going to trust each other and how the truth was going to get revealed. Like, yeah, it was really, it was a very enjoyable reading experience. Oh, thank you so much. That means the world to hear. Yeah, I uh, couldn't have imagined in 2017 how uh, being trapped in your house with a mysterious illness raging would hit in 2021. <laughs> right oh. i didn't really think about the parallels i actually didn't even occur to me but wow <laughs> talk about parallels holy crap i mean i'm not in a falling down mansion with like creepy stuff happening around me but also i'm not trapped in here with my like sworn enemy <laughs> that would be interesting well i mean if he ends up being you know that guy i'd be all right with it yeah. <laughs> eventually if he was <laughs> you know the ended up being the good guy in a way you know yeah. like you said the Redemption guy. Exactly, yes. That's great. Before we go, I always like to ask if you've read anything good lately. We always look for good recommendations. And it doesn't necessarily have to be sci-fi fantasy, even though this is a sci-fi fantasy podcast. I know our readers kind of read across the board. Have you read anything good? Yes, I, I've been doing a pretty good amount of reading lately, which I'm, I'm very pleased about because I, mm. I wasn't for a while. But ooh, 
the best books I've read recently, I absolutely loved C.L. Polk's The Midnight Bargain. I heard about this. Oh, okay. I cannot recommend it highly enough. I I think my personal brand of catnip is his not quite historical fantasy, but but fantasy that's flavored like a historical. So this is like a fantasy regency. It's mm. like a, a fantasy of manners, I think one of the blurbs described it up, which is so apt. It, it works like a delightful Jane Eyre, or not Jane Eyre, Jane Austen. <laughs> Jane Austen mm. type novel, like a, a cool, you know, aristocratic social scene, crazy character hijinks, super fun, but also as like this really delightful, very feminist fantasy. I mm. love, cannot recommend it enough. Just uh, added it to my to be read on my Goodreads. I'm like looking as you're talking. I'm like, yep, tell excellent. me more. Excellent. I'm spreading the agenda. Other than that, gosh, Naivo's uh, The Empress of Salt and Fortune I read recently and adored it. And then also another novella was St. Gibson's A Dowry of Blood. You know... Someone else was talking about it. I literally looked a dowry blood up earlier today. Oh, no way. Like, like, literally was like, wow, what is this? I don't know, but the title sounds awesome. Like, literally, that cross people were like, what an awesome title, The Dowry of Blood. Yeah, I was like, it's, it's so good. It's, wow, that's it's weird. Really lovely, epistolary, lyrical, thoughtful Dracula's Bride mm. retelling. Not a retelling, but like a, a little take on it. It was, it was wonderful. It made me cry. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow, those all sound like great wrecks. I mean, especially because you sound very, like, passionate. Like, they're not just like, yeah, I enjoyed it. You're like, no, these were really No, worth, these like, are great. Yeah. And, worth and, my uh, time. Naivo's uh, novella was also just spectacular. Just, like, gorgeous, gorgeous prose. And a really impressive, like, it's slim, like, 200 pages, but details, like, the rise and fall of, of uh, an empress. It was excellent. Hmm. Yeah. Thank you for this. This will sound sure. great. Yeah. And I did get around to reading Finally Annihilation by Jeff Vandermeer, which was a trip. Yeah, it's weird, right? The ending yeah. is not an ending. You're like, what's happening? Like, <laughs> like ah, but it's so good. But dang, it's so yeah, good. I, I felt so weird when I finished it. It's like, okay. I We actually read that for our book club last year. And my friend, we were all just like, what have we read? This is so weird. Like, because it just, there's like more questions than answers, like throughout the whole book. You're just like, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's very intriguing. Are you going to continue with the sequel? I'm, I'm thinking maybe. I My partner actually read it for, uh, he's a PhD candidate, so he read it for his oral exams that are coming up. So I think cool. if he continues with it, we could do like a little, little book club. My, I would guess I would say my friend who loved what she loved about book one, like the, the fact that things were up for open for interpretation, I guess you get solid answers in book two so if you don't want solid answers you might not want to read book two if that's what you're like if you like that your imagination can choose how things go i mean i guess it's not bad and i'm sure the rest of the series is great but that was like for her she was like oh like i got I, okay that makes sense now like they explain things i guess in book two um yeah that's what mm-hmm. she said so she was like i don't know she just had buyer's remorse a little bit on her end because she's just she just loved the mysteriness of the mysteriousness of book one you know what I mean so yeah I I could see myself going either way actually yeah exactly I haven't read book two and I was the same I'm like hmm if I if I feeling the urge to like really want to know I could pick this book two up but like I, I felt you know because some people I could see not liking book one because it doesn't have a solid like there's a lot of nebulous ideas in that book so yeah uh, I, I almost like the mystery that's what I really appreciate about a uh, wilder girls too which I know is a mm. comp to annihilation but yeah the the, the mystery of the the speculative elements was like you know I don't need to know maybe I don't need to know yeah yeah so just just throwing that out there as someone who re- like she was that was like a thing for her so I'm like you yeah know, just because you said you loved that book it's worth was worth me bringing up that's funny. God, there's just, you know, there's so many books to read. Like it just it, it blows my mind how many, how many books even like that I haven't heard of. Like, like I said, like Dowry of Blood. Like I know you said, like, I was like, I had no idea. I don't know. We even know who it came up in a feed. Someone else on my bookstagram must have posted about it today. I don't even remember who. I just remember thinking it sounded, oh, that's weird. What is that? And looked it up. I know. Yeah. It is kind of like if you really let yourself think about it, if like all of the books that exist that I probably would love but won't encounter so sad I know I was thinking about that who was I what 
author was it? Oh, I was. This is like years ago. It was Christopher Paulini. We were talking about how like angry he was. He was born now because he will never get to like go to space. <laughs> like, oh my god! He's like, so oh, he's like, and it's like so close. You know that it's like with going to be within the next like x amount of years but we're not gonna live to see it and i'm so like he was like so salty about it and i was just like <laughs> like i mean i was like but i get what you're saying because it's like the, the like all the shows and all the books we read the science fiction and whatever but like same thing with the books it's like i will never read all of the books i want to read before i die like and i could like stress I, about yeah, that or i could just you know and i don't know about you but i'm a rereader too like i love to reread books love it it's one of my favorite things like i if i'm in a weird mood where i'm not in a mood for reading i will pick up a book that i know i love and it's just like a hug yeah, you know there, there are so few books that i reread mm. Scor the scorpio races is the one for me that i read every single year have you done it on audio yet it's so funny you say that because literally everybody asks me like, "Have you done the audio yet?" And because apparently it's phenomenal. Um, it is phenomenal. The Steve West, who's the guy voice in it, he's one of the. He's like literally like. First of all, his voice is like damn sexy. Let's just be real. Let's put that out there. <laughs> Anyone who's heard Steve West, you know I'm right. But he really is incredible. But like the audio book is just. I mean, the book is captivating, right? So like just hearing them tell that story is just oh, it's so good. I love okay, it I'll need to bump that up for for my next reread because yeah, I uh, my tear stained crumbling paperback could probably use a rest anyway. Well, and I, I mean, I, I'm a huge audio fan, so like personally, if I can choose audio over physical anymore these days, I really do, and I think it's just because I. I find that I can do more things when I'm listening because like, I'm like, I'm a photographer, so I can edit pictures or I could like clean my house while I'm reading, quote unquote reading. You know what I mean? So <laughs> right. I, I am more wired for audio these days, but I but I'm only suggesting that because that is often how I am rereading these days is I read the series first and now I'm listening and it's like a new experience. Like even like, God, it was like maybe a year or two ago, I, I hadn't really read all the Harry Potter books since they first came out. And I did them on audio that time. And it was like, huh, it's totally like, and now I hear there's like the American narration and then there's the British narration. And like, you know, I'm just thinking there's different experience. And so I would just be curious specifically because obviously I'm, I'm not in the same, I'm in the camp with everybody else. Like the audio is really good. As someone who that is like your, one of your favorite books, obviously to reread, like that would be curious to what your thoughts are on doing yeah. it on audio. Well, I'll have to do that. And I totally agree with you. I, I, it is so interesting how stories take on new life in different forms. And, and I, I think there's some magic in reading out loud. I don't know what it is exactly, but mm. the, the, the rhythm of words is, yeah. Be yeah. so captivating. I mean, yeah, it's I'm even oh, I'm encountering that even right now. Like I Cassandra Clare's new book just came out this week, too. And uh, it's a it's the second book in a trilogy. And so I was like, I don't remember enough of the details. Like I remember book one, but I, I, I had an arc and I read the book. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to listen to book one again. And I'm like, it's really been interesting, like having a book that's still even moderately fresh and being like, oh, I forgot and like hearing how they do nuance and things. I don't know. Sorry, yeah, this okay. is just my love of audiobooks for ten minutes. <laughs> just... I, I, this is this is the push I need because I've been like, oh, I need to read more audiobooks. It's like, okay, I, I guess I actually do need to do this. Well, I just find too because, uh, like, <laughs> this is also my like argument with like like K dramas and like K pop. I'm a, I'm a I'm a fan of Korean entertainment. Let's just say, but I don't speak Korean, so I can't do anything else. Because I have to read the subtitles. So right. like, but again, with an audiobook, like same thing with reading, like I, I love reading and I love the ritualisticness of reading where you sit down with your tea or your coffee and whatever, and maybe the snow is falling outside or whatever your cozy and scenario is, you know, for reading. But there's something about with audio, like just being able to like, oh, I'm going to take a walk and I'm yeah, like, uh, con continue the story. I'm in. It's the mundane magical in a way. Hmm, that's a good way to think about it. Yeah. So, sorry, this is just my, uh, seriously, I'm like, audiobooks <laughs> And I still hear people arguing, saying, like, that's not really reading a book. And I'm like, just. Uh, that's such a bullshit. I hate when people. Go, go away. <laughs> like, seriously, go away. <laughs> like, uh, uh, anyways. All right. This was really fun. Oh, yes. It was so fun. I, I'm so happy, yeah, that we could do this. Thank you so um, much again for yeah. having Sure. I'm just glad we could talk about Dawn Comes the Night and like this just 
awesome, creepy, wonderful, romantic story that you've put together. Um, it was like I said, it was really enjoyable to read. And I'm glad we got to kind of talk about it and like maybe wet some appetites and hopefully get some get some more interest in this awesome story. Yay. <laughs> Thanks for listening, guys. We will be back next week with a new episode. But for now, this is Lauren and Allison signing out. Bye. Bye.